0: Across all of ESPN, we're kicking off V-Week on November 30th. We do it every year around the start of the college basketball season to honor our teammate Jim Valvano by supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research, the foundation that he announced in his unforgettable SP speech so many years ago. And Jim's message of don't give up, don't ever give up means even more to us this year than ever before. We're seeing it especially close to home with our beloved teammate and cancer fundraising champion, Dick Vitale, in his recent cancer diagnosis. If you're able to join us today in supporting the V Foundation for Cancer Research, you can give by going to v.org donate now. Also, Baldwin on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities Give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Baldman on campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. Well, it's just DC today because Ryan Clark, my man, got sick got caught up in his travel, it has been a nightmare. Listen, when you're the businessman in entertainment and you're on Get Up and you're rushing the first take and you're doing NFL Live, things tend to happen. Maybe my boy is just a little run down. So, Ryan, get healthy, get some rest, and your boy got it. I'll take care of it for this week, but I will hold you accountable next week to be back taking L's to me on the list. Now, if Ryan's not here to take L's, I have to have somebody, right? So I'm bringing in Michael Chandler today. He's going to talk to me about not only his fight uh, with with Justin Gaethje. He's now gotten into it with Conor McGregor, which if he can somehow get this fight, who's had more high-level fights to start a career than Michael Chandler? Then we'll get joined by Benil Daryush, who just got his fight with Islam Makhachev announced the other day, which is easily the number one contenders fight at lightweight. And then we're going to get into Rob Font taking on the legend Jose Aldo later in the show. And I will get to your Ask DC questions. Listen, when I put the picture up, someone put Combat Carl is taking your questions because they call me Combat Carl Winslow, and so I'll get to the questions later in our Tap In Tap Out session. But let's get to one right now as the show gets started. So here's the question: RF R Fernie twenty eight asked DC. How can Dar- Daryush's skills match up with Islam Makhachev? Now, that's a great question. Because when you look at what Islam has done to everyone, it doesn't seem like there's anyone in the lightweight division that can match up with his skills. But the one guy that truly has a unique enough style to present some problems for him is Benil Daryush. And, and the reality of the situation is, to me, more than anything, Benil Daryush is an issue because he has a really... Uh, no-care-about-him approach to his fights. But Darush isn't going in there uh, afraid of anything. He's not afraid that you're going to take him down because he has tremendous jujitsu. He's not afraid of the stand-up because you know he has knockout power. He can fight everywhere in the octagon, and he's got tremendous cardio and heart. So he's not afraid of anything. So for all the skills that he possesses, for the wrestling, for the jiu-jitsu... For the kickboxing, he has a tremendous coach in Rafael Cordero out at Kings MMA. For all those skills, I think the thing that makes Benil stand out above everything is that no cares given attitude that he takes to the octagon. And honestly, there's a much more explicit word for the way Benil Darius approaches his fights. But let's keep it PG and say the no cares giving uh, approach that he takes. He doesn't care. So he's going to just go out there and fight Islam as he fought against Drakkar Close, as he fought against everyone else that he's fought over the course of his career. And he's been in there with absolute killers. Guys, I would like you to throw up a, a board with some of these opponents that Benil's been in there with. He's been in there with a who's who of people inside the UFC's octagon. The guy has seen the best of the best. He's fought the best of the best. He's had success against super high-level fighters over the course of his career. So this is nothing new to him. Now, now, this is what makes it very tricky. But Neil, honestly, has more of those top five type of fights than Islam. He's been in there with Tony Ferguson, Diego Fajada, Scott Holtzman, Jakar Close, Frank Camacho. The Frank Camacho fight was a tremendous fight. Insanely fun. Obviously, the Jacar Close fight created one of the greatest memes that we ever had, but these are just his last five. These are his last five fights. When you go back and look at the people that he has shared the octagon with, Benil Darius just fought everybody. So the fight with Islam does not really raise any hairs on the back of his neck. The guy's going to go and do what he does. But in the fight with Islam, he is fighting Islam Makashev, who has shown time and time again that he has just been dominant. The guy's won nine fights in a row, Benil's won seven. Islam is 21-1. and one. Islam got knocked out in Houston long time ago, got caught by a head kick, and I spoke to him once, and he said the guy's career went downhill. Adriano Martins' career went downhill. It was a lucky shot is what Islam said it was that got him beat. That's the only blemish on his record. Benil's got a spark in the record, 21-4-1. and one. I mean, both guys are unbelievable finishers, but as we have seen lately, Makachev has not only finished people, but he has dominated super high-level fighters in a way that we haven't seen since Habib Nurmagomedov. And, and I know Habib has not been gone for a long time. So saying since we've seen Habib may seem a little bit much considering we saw him last year, but what Islam Makashev did to uh, Dan Hooker was tremendous. It was an opportunity to go and truly, truly capitalize on an opportunity. You don't do that very often. You don't shine in that moment as much as he did. Very few times do a person get the chance on the biggest stage and knock the ball out of the park. Islam did that against Dan Hooker. And honestly, if Islam Makash was fighting for the belt now after winning nine fights in a row, no one would be complaining. But it speaks to the type of fighter he is to take on what many believe is the second toughest fight in a division for him outside of whoever the champion is. You're talking about a guy in Benil Darius who possesses skills, unique skills, to give Islam problems. But Islam has dominated grapplers. He has dominated wrestlers. He has dominated strikers. And he has shown that he is really ready to try and uh, become a UFC champion. Now, when I tell you it's a true number one contender's fight between these two, it leaves you the question, what about Justin Gaethje? Right? Justin Gaethje just had that great fight with Michael Chandler. So why wouldn't Justin Gaethje be the guy? Well, Justin Gaethje is the guy. And I think this booking proves without any shadow of a doubt that the title fight is for Justin Gaethje. He said that if he didn't get it, they would riot. I golfed with Justin Gaethje a couple weeks ago. And we spoke about it a little bit. And he spoke about the authenticity. I'm sorry, the authenticity of the sport of mixed martial arts and how if it's going to be considered what it is, a sport at the highest levels, he had to be the next guy. So yeah, Justin Gaethje is getting the title fight. And could you imagine a Justin Gaethje versus Charles Oliveira fight? He's the champ going into the fight with Dustin Poirier. Everybody seems to forget that. But Charles Oliveira is the man. He's got the title. But could you remember the first fight between him and Dustin Poirier? And could you imagine a rematch? This fight here with Michael Chandler, I went back and did a detail. You can find it on ESPN Plus under detail by Daniel Cormier. I did a detail on this fight. The high level mixed martial arts between these two was next level. And Justin Gaethje, everybody thinks he's a brawler. And I spoke to Kamar Usman about this the other day. He goes, I watched that detail, DC. And he goes, people think that Justin's brawling. He goes, there's a method to the madness. And when he's in there, It may seem like he's involved in blood and guts wars, but he's not. Justin Gaethje is setting traps. He's he's setting you up for what he wants you to do so that he can follow and capitalize on what you're trying to do and the mistakes that you make inside of those interactions. So if a guy deserves a title shot, it is Justin Gaethje. And honestly, if Justin Gaethje would have fought for the belt opposed to Michael Chandler against Charles Oliveira, who would have had a problem with it? He was the last interim champion before Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, beat him in Abu Dhabi and retired. He was 1A to the champ, Habib, but he just didn't get the shot because he had just lost to Nurmagomedov. They didn't want to put a guy that had just lost to the champion back in the title fight because it almost messes with it. But by watching him beat Chandler in the way that he did, going out there and winning a fight of the night in Madison Square under the, and under the circumstances, under the way that in the way that he did, Truly amazing, and really Jid's hammered home the Justin Gaethje title fight. What would scare me a little bit, though, is that the Daryush fight with Makashev is in March. So you got to hope that that guy in December comes out relatively clean so that they can reschedule him against Justin Gaethje early because Makashev's going to fight Daryush. If he wins and he's the number one contender, he'll go into Ramadan and it'll push him into the fall. So that gives you a little bit of time. For Justin Gaethje and the champion to get their business done, so it's starting to kind of work out in terms of uh, the timeline for these guys to really come to uh, build a clearer picture of the lightweight division. Now it's time for one round, and we brought in Michael Chandler, Iron Mike. What's going on, brother?
1: What's up, DC? Living the dream, man. Hey, good, good to see your I, face I, on my phone.
0: Hey, that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful living room. Wow. Oh. I mean. <laughs> All this money, like all this money, right? Look at that living room, Chandler. Did you design this, like this? Was it the great no. Bree Chandler that got this it done? Gr- it was the great Bree Chandler, let's be honest.
1: She uh, she does all the designing in the family. We got some art being hung this, uh, this week, so
0: we're excited about it. Look at, look at this guy living the American dream. So, Chandler, listen, man. The other day, we're in Madison Square. Everything seems normal. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, normal fight week. Saturday an explosion between you and Justin Gaethje. Third round, you're fighting a great round, and then you decide to drop your hands and just say, let's go. I mean, what was that moment like for you, Mike? I know it's a few weeks ago, but what was that moment like for you? And what does it feel like to, even in a defeat, your stock seemed to have risen after this Justin Gaethje fight?
1: Man, yeah, I. Uh, it probably wasn't the smartest of ideas,
0: especially with a guy do like that?
1: Justin Gaethje. Well, it. Uh, I think it was just. Uh, I think I was caught up in the moment. It's definitely the first time in my career that I didn't care whether I won or lost for some reason. You know, I also didn't hear my coaches for the entire fifteen minutes. Madison Square Garden really? was so, so, so loud. It was absolutely bananas inside there. You know, you were in there, um, but it was just. I usually, as wrestlers, we've been trained, and then now fighters, we've been trained. We can hear our coaches. Um, could not hear a thing. So I was out there by myself. Unfortunately, and if I'm when I'm left to my own devices, it's uh, a lot of ill advised things
0: happen, uh, but they were entertaining, so the fans won that fight. <laughs> they did, they did. And Mike, I mean, the picture of you with the apple slices and the face mask on afterwards like, did you in those moments <laughs> where you're like, okay, man, I maybe should not have done that? Like, how much pain were you in after that? Because I know that man, Sunday I'm... is bad, but by Wednesday, it's ridiculous,
1: yeah, man. Because as soon as, yeah. And even and then in flying, of course, you know. And then you got uh, uh, distracting injuries. You know, my my both my leg and my right foot hurt from both checking leg kicks or you know eating leg kicks and throwing <laughs> leg kicks. And then the face, you know, the face is the face looks the worst, but the face is the best part about it. I can deal with a couple black eyes and a couple sets of stitches, but it was more the body pain that I was in for like about the last two or the first two weeks. Um, but I've been doing a lot of a lot of recovery stuff, a lot of hyperbaric chamber, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of manual body work, and uh, body feels great now, so I'm uh, about to get back to training.
0: The hyperbaric chamber is literally the greatest invention ever known to man for injuries. Like, you just recover yeah. like this. It's insane how good it works. So, Mike, you fought Dan Hooker on the pay-per-view. Now, granted, you had a great resume coming into the UFC. You know, the wars in Bellator with Eddie Alvarez, And all the championships, all that, obviously, granted, you some opportunities. But you fought Dan Hooker on a pay-per-view to get here. Knockout. Next fight's for a title. Then you fight on the massive fight in Madison Square Garden. And now all of a sudden, you're on the internet arguing with Conor McGregor. Even if you can pull this off, if the McGregor fight happens, will you have had the greatest four-fight run to start a UFC career in history?
1: Man, I haven't really thought about it like that because I've just been so focused on each of the fights. You know, obviously my goal was to to get into the UFC. Once I knew I was testing for agency, I knew I wanted to go to the UFC. That was the first goal. Then I wanted to come in and, and make a statement, make my make myself be known right away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if if this first 14, 16, 18 months of me fighting in the UFC culminates with me fighting Conor McGregor, I think it's probably the, the best path anyone could have ever asked for. Um, so we're going to go from there. You know, we're, we're going to see what's happening. He's
0: healing up. I'm healing up. I
1: think the the timeline works out really well.
0: Well, then you got to take some time after that. So McGregor's got some time after the broken leg, but after the fights that you've had, as you said, it hasn't been a long, you said it. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. And obviously you have been having a good time in the UFC. Mike, after such an impressive fight with Justin Gaethje, you start to really see people's eyebrows raise. And obviously the money fight at 155 is Conor McGregor. Conor gave you guys props on the night, but then he did an ask notorious segment on Sunday and someone said, Conor, what do you genuinely think of Michael Chandler? Conor then replies, it's hard not to be impressed. In a game of inches, he has been incredibly close each time. He could well be today's champion. And then you wrote earlier in response to Conor McGregor, 2022 with a stare down, Between you two, when you think of a fight with Conor McGregor, first off, were you surprised by his reaction to what they said? Because anyone in the know understands, Mike, you were 30 seconds from beating Charles Oliveira and getting the finish. You could be the champ, but now you find yourself in this position after the Gaethje fight. But if you get a McGregor fight, how much has Michael Chandler really lost in this whole thing?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, obviously, as an athlete, the the number one goal, I want to be the UFC champion. I want to be the number one guy in the world. Um, but as fighters, we get into the sport because we want big stages, big opportunities against big opponents in big arenas. And it doesn't get any bigger than Conor McGregor. So I think what you're seeing there is, I think, mutual respect. For him to say that he's that he was impressed by my performances, uh, for him to say that I could very well be the champion, and and still saying that this is a game of inches and we can all get caught. He's been caught, I've been caught, you've been caught. You fight long enough, and you fight the toughest guys long enough, you're going to get caught. So um, I think there's a mutual respect there. You know, to me, that's genuine. That's that's how I like to do things. I'm not a big trash talk guy. I'm not not a big yeah, but know, attacker guy yeah, but Mike, media.
0: but Mike, you understand that if the fight gets signed is going to turn a bit ugly because it always does with McGregor. Like, how are you going to yep. handle that, though? Because you're right. I've known you since you wrestled in college at Missouri. You're a nice guy. You're a well-rounded guy, and you aren't a big trash talker. You're kind of a meat and potatoes type of guy. How do you handle when it does turn left against Conor McGregor? Because it's all fun and games right now. We're respectful. But what do you do when it does turn that way?
1: Well, I guess if the fight happens, I guess, I guess we'll see. You know, you might see a different side <laughs> of me, but chances <laughs> – Chances are, you know, I mean, I've uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at, at using my vocabulary and my lingu- linguistic jujitsu to uh, wrap, wrap guys up in some words that they may not understand um, without having to really take to, uh, you know, base level assaults or talking about different things that are going to be you know, damaging to uh, to a guy's reputation, if you will. So, um, you know, we'll see, man. I, I respect Conor for what he's done. I respect Conor as a fighter. I, and I even respect his trash talk game uh so you know that's definitely something i'm i'm not necessarily um i think it it is something that i'm looking forward to it's something that as we said big fights big opponents and big stages and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger with every single conversation that gets had every single social media post and every single uh moment that he, he and i would be on the microphone so you know as we said he needs to heal up i need to heal up we'll see if that fight happens if it does It's definitely going to be fireworks inside the octagon. And I guarantee I can carry my weight outside the octagon on the microphone.
0: Mike, you said ultimately you want to be the champion, though. But if it's not McGregor, then who do we see Michael Chandler fight next? And when would Michael Chandler like to be back in the octagon? I definitely want to look after my health first
1: and foremost. Obviously, you saw the war I was just in. You know, um, giving myself through the holidays and the first uh, first couple months of the year to really uh, take care of my body, get back into shape, um, and get back into camp. But probably middle of you know middle of next year, May, June, July of yeah. next year, I think would be a, a great timeline for me after this fight that I was just in. Um, and then, as far as who, you know, I don't really know. You know, as we said, I want big fights, big names, big opportunities um but i also want that gold so i'm kind of stuck between a conundrum between both uh, <laughs> both different routes um but it, these things usually work themselves out i got phenomenal management and a phenomenal relationship with the ufc and they are the best at putting on uh fights and fights that fans are interested in and i'm going to be in a nice big one in the middle of 2022
0: mike you know obviously you have had a lot of success in your career um you're winning If you look at that living room, you understand that Michael Chandler is winning, but Michael Chandler it's my show and you came on my show to take an absolute L because Ryan Clark's (laughs) not here. So we do lists every week and Ryan Clark's not here to do a list. So I asked Michael Chandler, would you mind partaking in a list with me, Mike, as you visit the show? So guys today, the list is top fighters under 25 years old. It's going to be the top five, Chandler. It's going to be the top five, right, Mike? Top five fighters <laughs> no. under 25. First of, all, first of all,
1: you sprung this on me this morning. You sprung this on me this morning. Clark must have got food poisoning at the last minute or something. And then you're, all of a sudden, you said three fighters under 25. And
0: then we get it's on here, quick. and we're doing sound checks, and you're trying to throw five at me. You're, Mike, you're nuts. I it. can't believe it. I make the rules. Mike, I make the rules. I make the rules. <laughs> we, all right. Um, all okay, right, I'm this, going. All right. All right. Stop. I'll let you do three. Let's do three, Chandler. Okay. I'll be fair. Thank God. You you agreed to come. You blessed me with your presence. Michael Chandler, let's do three. It's not going to be a draft today. Let's do three okay. fighters under 25 that if you had to build a promotion, these are the fighters that you're putting at the forefront to try to draw eyes. So, Michael Chandler, the floor is yours, my friend. Okay. So, you want me to name all three right now? No. So, what you do is you list them. Give me Wonder a little bit one. about each fighter. Yep, you give yep. me a little bit about each fighter and then you go to your next person. So you go, okay, three, I got, I got three. Three, okay, yep, three, but starting at the one that would be your last of the three. So you're gonna make somebody mad.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, <laughs> of the three, I'm going, or of my top three fighters under 25, at number three comes Miranda Maverick, not just because she's mm-hmm. one of my hometown Missouri girls, but every time you watch her fight, when you used to watch her fight in Invicta, when now, when you see seen her transition into the into UFC, I think she won her last fight against Macy Barber. Uh, but she's just so poised, so calm, and collected the entire fight. She's extremely well rounded, and I think she's going to be a champion in the in the women's division in the future.
0: Coming in, number- hey, people can't people can't help themselves. You people can't help themselves. You, you're a Homer. You're a Homer. Or I am homer. she's from Missouri. You try to just drop it another in there Homer, and move on. I got another homer for you later. Later
1: in my list, so just just buckle <laughs> up. I mean, everybody's going to be mad at me. <laughs> coming, in, hey. First of all, coming in at number two is Jeff El Jefe Molina, Dana White Contender mm. Series graduate. Mm. Gra- graduate, mm. okay. Mm. And not to not we'll unpack his style. He's tenacious. He's he is extremely well rounded. As we're saying, everybody, keep in mind this this is all fighters mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. twenty five years old. These guys barely have hair under their armpits and they're fighting in the UFC. (laughs) Um, Extremely well-rounded. A lot of finishes, eight of his ten ten wins by finish. And one thing that stuck out to me, DC, that a lot of people will overlook, and you will appreciate this as a wrestler, you learn how to lose as a wrestler. And how Jeff Molina started his career, he started one and two in his career. Now you tell me right now, if you and I both started mixed martial arts, we went one and two in our first three fights, we might think about hanging it up. But not John So I think, yeah. So I think I think he's got a, a, a very bright future. Definitely number two uh, on my list of top five, top five, or top
0: five is under 25. Top three, because you won't do top three. five. Oh, uh, you're right. Because you won't do five. So give me your number one, Michael Chandler. Number
1: one. I'm going Homer again, of course. I shared the card, I shared the card with him on my last fight in Gary. The future. Um, Let me talk about the man's physical attributes because the only thing as impressive or more impressive than the man's physical attributes is his confidence in himself. He's extremely long and tall and powerful for the division. As we said, he's still just a baby. He's under 25 years old. He won't even become a full man until he's 30. Um, but his striking, his, his ability to, to negotiate distance between himself and his opponent, the way that he slid outside of that right hand in his last fight and knocked that dude out, uh, Williams out in the last five seconds of that round, mm-hmm. um, was nothing mm-hmm. short of amazing. But as I said, and as a lot of people said about Conor McGregor, when he first came in, you see shades of Conor McGregor in Ian Gary. That Connor wasn't as good. It, Conor wasn't as good as he thought he was. But he was better than we all thought he than we all we all thought he was, and I think that's how mm. he and Gary is going to be. I think we have a future champion on our on our hands.
0: And I'm going to go. I, I'm going to go and say that's like eh, Chandler. That's kind of like your golf game, you know? It's not good, come on. It's not bad. <laughs> hey, it's hey like, we still got to <laughs> get back out there. I'm getting better. All right, it's I'm getting good, better. It's not bad. It's just okay. Okay, all right. For me, guys, get ready for the champions list because here I come. At number three, I have got a three-way tie going down to six, right? So at number three, at number 3 I've got a three-way tie. At number three, I got Macy Barber because, hey, maybe Macy's going to fall short of becoming the youngest champion of all time, but she is phenomenal. And she beat Miranda Maverick, Michael Chandler's number three. Tie for number three, I got Ignacio Bajamundes. Do you see – remember when he fought Roosevelt Roberts – That spinning wheel kick knockout, it was truly something to behold. Tall, long guy, different place. He's from a place that we don't expect many fighters to come from. So he brings his own uh, people with him. And tied at number three, I have Usman Nurmagomedov. He fights in Bellator, your old stomping grounds. Got a rear naked choke last time. He's undefeated. He's he's 14-0. He has all the skills to become the man. So that'll be my tie. I'm sorry, for number four. That's my tie. So at four, five, and six, those are the guys that I am listing. Now, at number three, I'm gonna agree with you, my friend Michael Chandler. I will give it to Ian Gary. I told the kid in the fighter meetings, if you can fight like you can talk, okay. I'm going to uh really be in for a treat because I hadn't watched his fight yet as of fighter meetings, and you know what? He was very impressive. He did a good job taking advantage of the moment, but also the moment after on the microphone. At number two, how about Casey O'Neill? Casey O'Neill, the young lady from Las Vegas, the Australian, she goes out there and she's just overwhelming people. Chandler, we didn't expect anything from Casey O'Neill when she made her debut. She fought. Nope. Uh, She went out there, dominated. She's been dominant the whole time. And then the fight against, she beat Antonia Shevchenko in her last fight. So, immediately, she's in the rankings, and she is still only 24 years old. Casey O'Neill is number two for me. And at number one, if I have got to build a promotion, Chandler, Song Dong is still only 23 years old. He's still only 23 years old. I almost went with Song Dong. <laughs> I almost went with Song Yudong. But you should have went with Song The, you the by that
1: wouldn't let me. I didn't have enough room on my list. And obviously, you're trying you're trying to beat me right now just by adding as many names as you possibly can. What you mean? A list of 30, what you has got 17
0: names on it. Chandler, Chandler, <laughs> listen, Chandler, I make the rules. It's my show. It's my show. I make the rules, and I couldn't choose a number three, R 4, or five, or six, someone of them. But Song Dong has been in some tremendous fights, He's had some tremendous knockouts, submissions. And he's only getting better. And Song Don is 23, man. It's crazy to watch how young these guys are, and women, and they're still so early in their career. But the impact that they are making on the UFC. So that's my list, Chandler. I mean, guys, could you run yeah. it down the bottom real quick? Show my list real quick for Michael Chandler and show how it's done. See, that's what happens all 17 when you bring a rookie of out here. All 17 of them. <laughs> number number one. Don't don't over. That, that, that's what. Hey, Addison. Hey, we got my man Corporate Addison here today. Jake's off. So Corporate Addison, could you please run the list? Please. He said, hey, Chandler, Addison said there are so many names on my list that they're still trying to add them to the graph. Yeah. See, Chandler, you, got him, you got them over there just trying to type them all in, man. Can't even <laughs> catch up with, with, you, with your with your list. But it is The full list. Hey, Chandler, the full list of 25 fighters under 25 is available on ESPN.com on Thursday with the story. So Mike, hey, love. Love that you gave us the time. Appreciate you giving the effort. But once again, the champ reigns supreme in the I mean, oh, so, list like Oh, so you're the judge, jury, and executioner. You you decide hey. right now who wins the game. Oh, my hey, god. It was all.
1: This is great. Ch- this Chandler, is here's great. my list. I can't here's- wait to play <laughs> PC's games
0: again. Chandler, here's my list coming up on the screen here in about five, four, three, <laughs> eight, two, one. Song Yadong, Casey O'Neill, Ian Gary, Usman, M- Macy Barber, Ignacio Bahamundes. That is how it's done, Michael Chandler. That is a class in how you whip somebody. Look, you whip them in the octagon, I whip them behind the microphone. Chandler, I appreciate. Hey, it's like you and I walk into the Senator mat right now. We're going to shake hands. The official's going, oh, there's yours. I mean, it looks so empty, right? Mike, look at it. Why does it seem so empty? It does, man. It looks like, it looks
1: like I didn't put the effort in, but you just came in and cheated and threw all your names on there.
0: Mike, thank you for joining us. Hey, before I let you go, real quick, champ, what do you think about Poirier Oliver if you had to pick a winner right now? If I held you hostage and I say Chandler, give me a winner and how who you got between Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira in the title fight coming up in a couple weeks? If you
1: if you if you got to go for the an actual one hundred percent winner on that fight and you had to go for me, I go with my gut. I think it's Dustin Poirier. I think Dustin Poirier has been destined for UFC gold for many many years. Charles Oliveira has looked extremely impressive and he's great every single great in every single area. But I do think Dustin Poirier just has too many tools. I think they have a very similar set of skills, but I think Poirier is better in each of those different areas. Um, I think Poirier comes out probably with a, a later later round finish, third round, fourth round, fifth round finish.
0: My man, Michael Chandler, thank you for joining us, man. Hey, I know you got some business today. Go and sell your third house and get more money because <laughs> not enough. it's never enough for Michael Chandler. Thanks for joining us. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you. No matter what you're trying to accomplish at work, it takes a team coming together to make it happen. Teams come in all shapes and sizes, but they aren't always on the same page. Tools and processes often hold teams back by limiting visibility and the flow of information to make good decisions. Jira Service Management from Atlassian empowers IT teams to work together to deliver a great service experience at high velocity. Jira Service Management helps teams of all sizes work together to deliver great service experience, IT, Development and business teams can use Jira service management to manage requests and respond to changes at lightning speed. Teams can customize service portals and workflows to support customer requests at scale. Through a single collaborative solution, teams have better visibility into the work of others and information flows more freely. Development and operation teams can manage changes with confidence. Jira service management empowers teams and... Empowered teams deliver great service experiences. Learn more at Atlassian.com slash Jira Service Management. That's Atlassian.com slash Jira Service Management. Atlassian.com slash Jira Service Management. Guys, in honor of V-Week, UFC is proud to support the Stuart Scott Memorial Cancer Research Fund, which supports cutting-edge cancer research and funds outstanding minority scientists. To learn more, please visit V.org slash UFC. Once again, that's V.org slash UFC. Now this weekend, we are going to have our Fight Like Hell fight night between Rob Font and Jose Aldo. We do it every year, right? It's an honor of Stuart Scott. I met Stuart Scott one time in like Baltimore. And I remember he was coming out of the hotel and I kind of walked up to him and I said, hey, I'm a massive fan. Because Stuart Scott had sayings that really just resonated to people, especially in my demographic, right? The urban demographic where I'm down in, in Louisiana and I see a guy on TV that sounds like me, that's saying things like, cool like the other side of the pillow. There, the, you know, the one that I really love was, that's gotta be jam because jelly don't shake like that or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what the terminology was, but that was the one that really did stand out to me. It was so cool he was so fun. So when I saw him, I ran up to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm just a wrestler back then. I'm just a guy that on the Olympic team that goes to see someone I see on TV. And I tell him, Hey, I'm a massive fan. It's really nice to meet you. Didn't want to hold him up. Right. Cause I hadn't had the greatest interactions with celebrities, but he was very generous with his time. He wasn't, he didn't shun me. He didn't act like a big shot. He just said, uh, thank you so much. And then I, I let him go about his business. And, uh, Uh, This weekend, we have the Fight Like Hell uh, fight night from the UFC Apex, and it features Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. And in regards to that fight, we have a tweet. And this is what the tweet said. Rap Season said Rob Font or Jose Aldo. Now, guys, I'm a bit of a politician. I use my position within the commentary booth to shield myself from having to do this because every time I've done that, I get, someone gets mad at me. So instead of telling you who I believe will win, I will talk to you about the matchup and why it is so good. It's a tremendous matchup because in Rob Font, New England cartel, him and Calvin Cater and all those boys out there, those guys have that swag about themselves. They all wear the chain. They just I mean, they've taken over internally. We see them and it's like, oh, these are the boys from the New England cartel. You know, <laughs> Calvin Cater, Rob Font and the boys. Well, When you talk about those guys, you talk about high-level boxing. And Rob Font is a tremendous boxer. The guy has so many skills. He fights behind a beautiful jab that keeps you at range. And when you get too close, he has nice left hook, right hand. He's got so many different ways to knock you out. I mean, we saw that in the Cody Garbrand fight. You know, Cody Garbrand is a former champion, and Rob Font beat him. And he really did kind of beat him behind the jab. And then you see this fight here. He fought against a kid that literally wants to wrestle you the whole time. And when you're fighting strikers, you think that that's the way to win the fight. Nope, not with Rob Fon. He has tremendous takedown defense. But now he finds himself facing the king of real, Jose Aldo. Now, when we watched Jose Aldo last fight, he looked like a brand new man. And if, the, if you're really looking at things in terms of the grander terms, the grander scheme of things, this is Aldo's last opportunity to, to earn a championship fight. Now, I know you might be, oh, DC, you're living in the now. No, I'm not. Because if Jose Aldo can beat Rob Font after the fights that he's won recently, he's very viable as a guy that fights the winner of Aljamain Sterling and Rian. Now, I know Rian beat him before, so you would think that Aljamain Sterling needs to win the fight. But when you put the wins together and you have the name of a Jose Aldo, I don't see why not. Insane matchup. I was supposed to work a fight in late September. I got moved off of that fight to the Aldo versus Font fight because I understand how big a night it's going to be for the band division when you have a guy that many consider the greatest UFC featherweight of all time in Jose Aldo fighting against a guy that is as gifted as Rob Font. And I truly believe that in the Cheeto Vera fight, we saw the evolution of Jose Aldo because for a long time, you never saw Jose Aldo go to his wrestling. Even though you've heard jujitsu, black belt, and all these other things, you never saw him do it. Against Marlon Very, he went and took him down to win the third round, which gave him, the, gave him the win. When you look at the stats, though, right, champion in the featherweight division from 2010 to 15, was the last WEC champion. He's won more title fights in the featherweight division than anyone in the UFC's history. And there has not been anyone, anyone more active as they have progressed in their career as Joe D'Aldo. He's gotten better and he's gotten more willing to fight. There was a time when Joe D'Aldo struggled to make featherweight. Now the guy's showing up at 135 in the best shape of his entire life. That's going to be needed this weekend if he's going to get his hand raised against a very tough and durable Rob Rob Font. So now we do one round with Benil Darius. So... We've done two rounds today on the show, and now we bring in, I mean, the the distinguished gentleman. Benil, let me tell you something. I love the white hair, my friend. You look like you can cover, you look like you put a suit on, you might be a nice, very strapping young businessman with that nice gray. I love it. I love it, Benil. I mean, I wish
2: I had it. Listen, I get so much crap for it. They're like, (laughs) how does he look like this 32-year-old I've ever met or ever seen in you know, every time I, I put a video up and people start sending memes about, like, old dudes doing <laughs> jiu I'm over it, man. Like, yeah, I get enough of it at home from my wife.
0: <laughs> hey, I think it look good. I got to be honest. What I would not give for that head of hair, Benil, I mean, you look distinguished, my friend. You're, you're, you're strapping, young gentleman. Now, Benil, you're obviously uh, in practice or just getting done. You're sweating. <laughs> You're working hard because you just got the big fight announcement. How excited are you to be in what many see as a number one contenders' fight?
2: Man, I'm stoked because you know, uh, big respect to to Islam and, and Habib and, and th- that team. They're 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 one of the best teams right now in the game. And uh, you know, it, it was kind of hard getting this matchup because obviously our manager was like, "You guys are the best in the division. I want you guys fighting for the title." and uh, and also the timing for the last fight for uh, Islam. He needed to do Abu Dhabi, and uh, I just had a baby, so I couldn't do Abu Dhabi. I told him I could do December, and uh, they said no, he had to be there. So it, it was a little bit tricky, but I'm stoked for this fight, man. Islam is so good. He's one of the best guys, if not the best.
0: So, so when did this fight first come onto your radar? Were you, are you saying that they tried to get this fight done for UFC 267?
2: Yeah, remember when uh, uh, Islam fought? Uh, it was Thiago Moises, and uh, he oh, finished right Oh, Thiago Moises! After-
0: yeah, so it was back then. Yes.
2: Yeah, Dana said, "Hey, I want him to fight Dariush. and uh, you know, I was like, "Man, if we could do December, that makes perfect sense for me." I, I, I like, let's go. And uh, I found out that Islam had to do October 30th for Abu Dhabi because he has such a big fan base, and they love him over there, and they they have to have him over there. Which is, I was like, "All right, all right, I understand," but like. Just had a baby. I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm I'm uh, I'm a niece. <laughs> you know, so when you look at the fight and
0: people say, like, Tabib yesterday was like, well, they're the two best lightweights in the world. Um, they're fighting each other. When you look at the fight, you've got a very unique style that a lot of people think could cause Islam problems. So when you look at the matchup, why were you so willing to take a fight that so many, Benil, are trying to avoid like, you know, a lot of people talk about Islam not having the top five wins, but it's because a lot of people avoid that fight. But Neil Dariush, you're running towards that interaction.
2: So one of the things I like about this fight is we, in a lot of ways, mirror each other. Uh, he is, um, he's a Southpaw. He, I think he's a little bit taller than me. He's like five ten, 10, five, um, he does a lot of feints and gets to the takedowns and pressure guys and breaks people. I like doing all that. That's like my <laughs> game too. You know, he, likes he likes wrestling. You know, I mean, we, we, I just I just think it's going to be a great fight and uh, it's going to be an opportunity for us to grow. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Vinil, what have you done over the course of the seven-fight win streak? Or what have you changed that's allowed for you to have – the success that you've had lately. I mean, early in your career, it was get rolling, maybe take a step back, have a loss here and there. But now it seems like everything's clicking. What have you done differently to be where you are today? Seven wins in a row, 11 finishes. And honestly, not just finishes, some of the most insane things that we've ever seen inside the octagon, the finishes that you're getting in there. What have you changed?
2: So one thing was – getting uh getting healthy so I was on a 5-5 win streak and then I started alternating wins and then I went two years without a win and uh one of the things was my neck and back were so messed up and I didn't even realize it I was just like I'm getting older I just need to I just need to deal with it you know it is what it is but I was getting getting one practice in a day and then I would spend maybe the next day off or I'd have to I'd have to like do a recovery practice and and things like that and I just wasn't I couldn't get in that octagon and, and uh, be as sharp as I can now. When, uh, getting my uh, my neck and back back to normal, getting the, the the required like little things, the tedious things that I have to do for PT, getting all those things done. I'm able to do two practices a day now. Some days, if, if I don't kill myself, I can do three practices a day. And and uh, it's a uh, it's a huge change, you know. It's because um, I love wrestling. I enjoy wrestling, and I want to wrestle every day. But back then, it was like. You're lucky if you get two practices a week with the way my neck was.
0: Do you think the five-round fight benefits – who's a benefit, you or Islam? Because you put – it's different, right? Islam wants to break people, but it's more methodical. Your pace is just nuts. I think that's one of the things. Earlier in the show, I spoke to a fan question asking about you, and I said, "Banil has a I don't give a beep, beep, beep. Type of approach to the fight, and it just overwhelms guys. So, who does the long fight play to their
2: favor? You or Islam? So it's gonna, it's it's kind of like this. If if I stick to the game plan and do what I'm supposed to do, um, and fight the way I should, um, it's gonna be a more of a methodical fight for both of us. So it it, mm-hmm. it should benefit both. We both get to show more of our technique, but you know, something happens that octagon and like, especially when I get denied, like with uh, Diego Ferreira, he kept denying my takedowns. He kept getting back up and, and like, and when he would get back up, he would like try to, he would try to put this pressure over me with like, with this intensity and it just pissed me off, you know, like, I was like, (laughs) bro, like not doing that to me. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a businessman. It's not just one game plan. I'm just. I could dig just as deep as you. I could dig further. I'm willing to die in here, you know? So like the Diego fight was like that because he kept ruining my game plan. The game plan was take him down, control him. And so he, when, when he stopped that, I said, well, that's fine. We can, we can do it your way. That's fine with me. And, um, and then the Tony fight was more methodical, obviously. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really going to depend on uh, how the fight goes, how the first couple of rounds, uh, go. And, and, uh, you know, if Islam keeps denying all my game and, and d- doesn't allow me to do what I want to do, then uh, it's going to be in the air.
0: Benil, you know, is it weird being in a number one contender's fight when it seems like Justin Gaethje is the number one contender? And if you win the fight in March, how quickly would you like to get that title fight? Because not many people have to win seven fights in a row, eight fights in a row, in order to earn a championship opportunity.
2: Yeah, like uh, I was getting so frustrated. At the top. I was like, listen, man, I want to fight. the uh, you know, number is going to be six months. And I'm like, I'll take somebody outside the, the top 10 uh, if I have to. And Ali literally said to me, listen, if you're going to do this, fire me now. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, your manager. If you're going to do this, if you're not going to listen to me. And then my wife got on my case and then my coaches, uh, it turned into a big mess. And I was like, all right, all right, we're not, we're not doing that. We'll, uh, We'll, uh, we'll stick with what you guys want. We'll, um, we'll wait for whatever fight they give me top five. So I'm assuming I'm going to end up in the same position where I'm just going to have to wait. I would like to fight earlier. I, I feel right now the way my neck is, how healthy I am, I can fight every three, four months. I mean, I fought Diego mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, I want to say it was March. Was it March or February? And then I fought again in uh, M- uh, May. So it was a three-month period, I remember. And it was fine. And I would like more of that. But... Um, it's not always what I want. Now I'm married, man. I, I, I got, I got a, a <laughs> wife, I got a daughter. I got a scary manager. I got a scary coach. <laughs> so a lot of people would be scared of.
0: Well, congratulations, my friend, on all the success, not only inside the Octagon, but I know you have your gym in Anaheim, uh King's MMA Anaheim where you're training right now. I'm not going to keep you any longer. Get back to work, prepare, it is going to be a phenomenal fight between you and Islam, two of the most deserving fighters in the lightweight division. But Neil, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you. Appreciate it, brother. Take care. You guys be safe. Guys, now it's time for Ask DC. Hamza Chimaev said, DC, brother, let's make a wrestling match. What do you think? Hamza, this is crazy, my brother. You can wrestle. I saw you beat Jack Hermanson. But there's no way you could wrestle me in a wrestling match. Hamzat Jumayic, no disrespect to the beautiful people of Sweden. Alexander Gustafsson gave me one of my hardest fights of all time. But Hamzat, let me say this to you, my friend. When I was in the Olympics or any, the Olympics, l- listen, I wrestled in the Olympics. When I was in the Olympics or the World Championship, if I saw Sweden on the bracket, I had a bye. Like that is how I looked at a match between me and anyone from Sweden. I understand The Russian roots, I understand. You got the skills. You got skills, Hamzat. I love you, my friend, but fall back. You don't want the smoke. You don't want all of the smoke. I mean, look at the champ. Look at the champ. You don't want this smoke, Hamzat. Fall back. You you were good uh, calling out Brock Lesnar and, and George St. Pierre. You don't want the smoke. And now, the next one comes from Nathaniel. DC, man, will the Saints step up and make a playoff run, or are we dead in the water, guys? The injury situation and the quarterback situation down in New Orleans have really uh, set us back. Trevor Simeon, while looking good in Week One as a starting quarterback or in reserve role after Jameis got hurt, uh, it made me feel as though we had an opportunity. But up lately, it's been it's been bad, and we can't stay healthy. I mean. You're putting so much stress on the defense right now to try to keep us in games that they're ultimately going to break down. We had one of the top-rated defenses in the NFL to start the year, but they're on the field so much that now the rating of our defense is starting to go up. And, of course, it's going to happen. You've got to be on the field. You've got to have long drives that take time off the clock. We're three and out just about every single time. And even Sean Payton, the offensive mastermind that he is, has not been able to make this offense uh, uh, be worth much. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of giving up, man. It kind of sucks. It kind of sucks, that I will admit that we are not making a playoff run this time, who that Nation, so let it go. Who we got next? Let me see. Put it up on the screen. All right, this is from J.C. Andrus. Cajun rice or rice dressing, guys? The only time a person from Louisiana orders Cajun rice is when they're at Popeye's. It's called rice dressing. It is one of, if not, the greatest dishes that I have ever had in my entire life. And my mama, Audrey, makes some of the best, right? I'll tell you one thing. My mama cooks better than anybody in the world, actually. All of her food is the best that I've ever had. And her rice dressing, next level. This is a beautiful mixture of, of, of ground beef with a little bit of liver, some roux. Onions, bell pepper, the holy trinity, and then you simmer it all down. Once it's all done, you take the rice and then you mix it with the mix, the rice dressing mix, pork steaks, fried chicken. It don't matter what you mix that with. Rice dressing is as good as it comes, especially Audrey Cormier's rice. Look at my head. You see how my head's doing this? Nobody make rice dressing like Audrey Cormier. And, guys, before I go, this is no question. I would just like to give a massive congratulations to the Oklahoma State football team because Bedlam last weekend was absolutely bananas. Now, Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, I'm a man. I'm 40, coach. You're 40. You're 50. Coach, you're everything. We love you in Stillwater, coach. And I'm so happy that you are committed to us. Not like the rest of these coaches that are bouncing around everywhere, taking jobs here, taking jobs there. One that we sent packing last Saturday after Bedlam by Lincoln Riley. We put Lincoln Riley on a private jet to Southern California because now he understands that Bedlam has swayed in the Oklahoma State way. And now ain't no coming back. Dude, It was, I was nervous for a little bit, but once the Cowboys got going, we got it done. It was a great Bedlam win. And guys, how about the class of the Oklahoma State Stadium staff? The rumor was that Lincoln Riley was going to Baton Rouge. So how about you put Colin Baton Rouge by guard Brooks over the PA system for Lincoln Riley as he leaves the field because they thought he was heading down south. Ultimately, he went to UFC. But we take full credit for Lincoln Riley tucking his tail and getting out of Oklahoma because Oklahoma belongs to the Cowboys after last Saturday. So great job, boys. We're proud of you. Go Pokes, go Cowboys, the greatest university in the entire world. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to Michael Chandler. Thank you to Benil Daryush. I appreciate each and every one of you for, for submitting those questions. I know I didn't get to get to all of them, but we got to a few. You guys are smart. The questions are very well thought through. I really appreciate the fans. Until next time, Ryan Clark, get healthy. Get back. I need you because I need somebody to whip on every single week. Michael Chandler took it for you this time. But we can't subject him to that type of abuse week in and week out. Takes a very special person, Ryan, to show up here and take L's every single time. Until next week, guys, I'm Daniel Cormier. Thank you for joining me. And I'll see you next week. Peace.